All right, we are back. Another week, another episode. Uh, this week we have another guest in uh, Mr. Andy Jones. AJ, thank you for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, you, no at all. you, you commented on the last uh, on the last episode. You put up a lot of comments and Loved a lot it, of detail man. about Loved your it. about your club West Ham. So I thought it was only fitting to to get you on um, after everything you said. And we've just been chatting before this. You've got a decent footy brain, so I thought you'd be a great wee. A great wee addition to come on and have a chat. Um, so cheers for that, mate. Um, I've got, got two questions for you to start with. Question one, I heard you had Ben the Rack in your fantasy team this week. And question two, <laughs> question two would be question two would be how how did you start supporting West Ham anyway? Because I don't think I know that. Yeah, to address question one quickly, um I've got a Sky <laughs> Fantasy team, which is not the serious one. Obviously, the Barclays one's the main one, but I've got a Sky Fantasy team and I had a transfer to make a put Ben Rick in and he ended up with minus oh. eight, eight points on the on the Sky one. So it was <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Um, everyone's flying in with a hundred plus week point, uh, hundred plus points week and then I've ended up getting Ben Rick minus eight. Oh, that, was, yeah, that was a nightmare. Disaster. Um, in terms of sporting West Ham, I kind of inherited it off my dad really. He used to he used to go mm. watch when he was younger. He used to go up to Upton Park and watch um, Frank Lampard Senior. Um, he used to hate my mum there as well. I think when they were early dating, so it's kind of inherited into me. Uh, a memory I have as well is when we went to Upton Park to watch a game, but they had a they had a hotel like a hotel in the side of the stadium, and the the, the hotel rooms overlooked the state the pitch. Oh, you, obviously didn't, you obviously didn't get to uh, stay there when the game was on, but I remember staying there and just thinking, "Wow, this is this is amazing. This is why this is what football is all about." So staying there and then kind of that grew my love for them, and then ever since it's just got it's just got to a mad sort of fan level. Um, it's always highs and lows with West Ham as well. There's there's always so much going on behind the scenes. The league positions are different every season, so it's it's exciting and difficult at the same time. But yeah, this year we're looking good. Yes, yeah, it's a different world of football, isn't it? Totally, yeah, totally. Um, a different world of football compared to supporting like what you'd say the the big teams, right? Like it's a it's a different it's a different journey. Which, by the way, I we'll get into. But I've put I've put down here that West Ham are a big team. Like they're one of the biggest English clubs. Without a doubt. Yeah, to me, I mean, to me, they're massive as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, I support them. It's a biased view, but I think. You look at the top six or the big six is what they're called, or even it was a big four when we were slightly younger. Mm. Um, but I look at teams like West Ham, Newcastle, um, and also at teams which are which are still really big clubs. Traditionally, Aston Villa as well. Um, so I, I feel like they're all big clubs that should should be should be towards the top of the league every year. But obviously, it doesn't go like that. We all know it doesn't doesn't go like that. And mm-hmm. um, you've also got new teams coming in. Wolves have obviously been unbelievable the last couple of seasons, and they've cemented themselves. Potentially as a top eight team, Leicester are seen as a top six team now, which you would never have thought a few years ago as well. So it's constantly changing, and that's what's so intriguing and amazing about it. Um, you'll always have the massive clubs, I think. Um, Arsenal, United, City, well, Arsenal, say Arsenal, but they're struggling obviously at the moment. But Liverpool, all the big teams are always going to be there, and they're always going to be at the top of the league. But that's why it's so good when you see the smaller, bigger teams competing, which it seems to be happening this season. Absolutely. What what do you you mentioned Lampard? What what did you think about Lampard getting sacked? Uh, it was too soon for me. I know everyone's saying it, but it was. Um, I think he jumped to the chance a bit too early, though. Before before to go before we go into that, I think 
he was doing well at Derby. He had the chance to get promoted, obviously, fell at the last hurdle. But the only reason he took that job is because it was available. Mm. Um, I think he needed a couple more years at championship level, cementing himself as a proper manager before taking that job because Chelsea's massive. It's, like, it's a massive job to anyone. To, to the biggest managers in the world, the best managers in the world, the most experienced, it's, it's a massive challenge anyway. So to take that on, I think was a bit naive from him, but obviously he, he, he took it. He's done well. I think I think he's done well. They started the season so well this year, and they've had a little blip in form, and the board have just chucked him. But yeah, it was way too soon for me. He was building something. He was using homegrown homegrown talent. Um, he wasn't getting the best out of the, the foreign players, but the Premier. That's, I, for me, that's the Premier League. It's a tough league. Yeah, like you can do whatever you want in the Bundesliga, or, which. Or La Liga, they're top leagues as well, mm. but it's different styles of football. So, mm. um, yeah, to come to the Premier mm. League and struggle is, I think, it's normal. You don't get given time in the Premier No, not at all. It seems that way, especially with Chelsea. And as a manager, it's the manager that takes the, the brunt of it. The manager's the one that's not getting the results. So, the manager's the one that has to go. But um, it's Chelsea's philosophy, I guess, from the board. But I don't I don't agree that he should have been sacked at all. Where do you think he'll exit? What's that? Where do you think you'll go next? Oh, there's talk about Celtic, isn't there? Oh, um, mate, that'd be mental, man. I, I don't think that's a Gerard, job for Celtic. It's not. I was, I was listening to... It was on the night of the West Ham Liverpool game, actually. I was doing a shift, so it was all on the radio for me. And uh, they were talking about Lampard having a soft spot for Rangers, and apparently that's public knowledge. So, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think he needs to still look at the Premier League. I don't think he's going to get a big job again, though. Mm. Um, he's going to have to bide his time and then and then take what's there. He can maybe take a, a like, oh, I don't know. A team could be the championship that maybe misses out in the playoffs this year. Um, Bournemouth jobs just become available. That could be a, that that could be a good job. I don't know if anyone's taken that yet, but no, I don't think so. Um, that's available and that's a big job. Oh, that's a great job. <laughs> um, they've got a Premier League squad, I'd say as well. They're just not. Well, I mean, they've chucked Jason Tindall after half a season as well. Um, yeah. So they've probably got the same sort of mindset as Chelsea, because they would, but being a championship team, so that could be a good job for him. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what, <clears throat> no idea what he's, what he's thinking or what he wants to do. But he's the type of character that will want to take a big job. So I don't know. Tough one. You, I think first of all, Lampard should probably like wait it out a little bit. And and see see yeah. what comes up, reevaluate what he's done, uh, because I, I, when I watch him speak, he, he knows football, and just because you're a top player doesn't mean it transfers like to to coaching, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Like I thought, a lot of people were quite happy to see him fail, which was a bit of a shame. A lot of people were like, oh, he only got it because he was English and all that, and all the things you just said. He kind of probably took it too early, but we we've, we've said it before, Matthew. He kind of had to take it right. Um, I mean, it says the club that he, he played for, he won so much for, the club that he loved. So I can totally see why he did take it. Um, we, were, we were chatting before we came on a little bit about, you know, like you playing um, AJ uh, Scottish football and everything, and, and I'm wanting to get back into it. This is for you as well, Matthew. I wonder if you have an idea. AJ, you'll know more because you've been here, but why can't you watch like any Scottish games unless you watch sports scene or at Celtic and Rangers on TV? Yeah, it's, it's mad. Um, you need to have subscriptions at the moment because 
Scottish Premiership clubs can't stay afloat without the money coming in. Mm-hmm. So they have to charge a pay-per-view stream um, to get money coming in to watch the games. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's one game on one or two games on Sky Sports every week, and it's Rangers versus Sunday, Celtic versus Sunday. You never get to see a mid-table clash. Or you never get to see a, a bottom of the league clash. Um, Friday nights, I know BBC Scotland do, do a championship game every week, which is quite good to watch, actually. So half seven, half seven every Friday night, they do a championship game. But obviously with Hearts being in the championship, their attendance yeah. is just yeah. Hearts every Friday. But nah, it's difficult to watch Scottish football. Um, the main the main thing about Scottish football, why it's so amazing, though, because of the fans, it's all local fans from the local towns and the local mm-hmm. uh, villages now that go and watch. So... The Scottish game has been hit massively by COVID and, and no support has been allowed. Um, even more so the lower leagues as well, which can't even play at the moment. League One and League Two, which are technically professional sports, they're part-time teams, but um, the fact that they're not even allowed to play right now is, is, is killing them. And then they've got, they're the ones with the passionate fans. So, yeah, yeah, it's getting yeah. yourself out and going to watch games live rather than sitting in front of the TV, which makes it so special in this country, I think. Mm. Do you like because I think right now, not just because he played for Liverpool, and I've got a lot more friends that are Rangers fans and Celtic fans, but like what Gerard's doing at Rangers is something actually quite special in football in general. I mean, they're absolutely they're winning every game, they're not getting beat, they're playing good football. The mentality yeah. he's instilling in them is great, and yet no one's I know they're on TV more often than not, but like it's not, I don't feel like it's getting the, the coverage from a football point of view, that it probably deserves, Matthew. I think that at the end of the day, when you kids kids want to be what they see on TV, and if they can't see it, then they're not going to want to be it. So the longer that Scottish football isn't in Scotland on TV on a weekly basis, everyone's games, then, Matthew, kids aren't going to want to grow up to want to play in Scotland. They're going to want to go to the Prem in England. Yeah, no, I think, see, like, I've always thought this. See, if you got kind of like your... Well, I know I'm going to say Hearts, but I mean, obviously they are a huge club and obviously when they come back up, but see if you get like your Hearts, Aberdeen and these kind of teams, Hibs in there as well. I think when they actually do well and they start pushing, we've got the and um, we've got more of a chance of the Scottish League getting a bit more coverage. Um, but it is, a, it is a shame to be fair. Like I said, when we've moved back, it's quite difficult to watch the games. And mm. going off the point you were saying, AJ, I, have, I don't know how like these lower clubs are surviving right now. Like, how are they surviving? Like, how how much longer do they have? Like, what's like what's going to happen there? Because we're clearly going to be hit massively by it, and we might not know until like a year from now, or even soon. But like, how how are how are they surviving? What's like what are they doing? Do you yeah, know? It's, a t- it's a tough one. Uh, there's um, somebody started a scheme called donate a ticket. That's one one way of um, making money for the clubs. So what you, it's basically a website and clubs sign up and it's donate a ticket. So what you would do, if you would go to the game on Saturday, you would basically just donate oh, really? that amount oh, really? of money to this page. And then um, by the end of it, the clubs then get that money, um, which is great, I think. But it's struggling times for everyone. Not everyone's got money that they can just kind of throw away at the moment. So um, it's, yeah, it's mad to think that clubs potentially are going to go out of business and not going to be able to come back after this. It's mad to um, think about it. Yeah, because they've got, these are clubs with massive history as well. They've got hundreds hundreds of years of history between them and that. So, yeah, it's crazy to think that this is, could affect, could effectively end their, <laughs> end their time in football. It's mad. 
do you know what like teams in the Premier League and that like I know like obviously they'll be affected a lot by it as well, but they'll be able to survive this. Like they've got like load I'm sure they've got loads of money in that. But it's just like even when like the Scottish I'm just concerned for like Scottish clubs in that because like fuck knows what's going to happen to them and how much longer they can keep going with this because it's fucking a disaster like it's the the game's so special up here as well yeah, like I said with fans and stuff mm. like that as well so it would, yeah, it would kill communities if clubs if clubs um, went extinct if, because of this but I mean there's nothing it's nothing you can do eh? it's a bigger, a bigger picture you need to look at and that's what that's what's happening at the moment 100%. I, I find that, uh, I find that, and I, and I do, I used to do it too, and I'm, I still do do it, but I'm trying to be more cautious of it, is that you kind of just dismiss the Scottish game as like shite, which if you want to compare it to the Premier League in terms of quality of the individual players, then all right, it's probably not a bad description, but in my opinion, it's just, it's a, it's a different game, it, and it's not better or worse. It's a different game, because I've watched a load of Prem games this season. I mean, every game's on TV and I've tried to chip in with the Scottish games as much as I can. And I've actually enjoyed more Scottish games than I have Prem games because yeah. Rangers, are, Rangers are doing what they're doing and they're looking great. You're kind of watching Celtic to see how far they're going to fall, not fall, but, you know, what, what's going to happen to them? Is anyone going to be able to challenge them? And then you've just got little stories like Yogi Hughes coming in at Ross County and giving them a bounce and everyone loves him. It's just, it's a different type of game, but it's actually quite enjoyable. There's tackles, there's no VAR. I actually didn't know there was no goal line technology in it until mm-hmm. I watched sports scene when Aberdeen played Livy the other night and the ball hit the bar and it looked like yeah. it literally hit the net. I don't know, but I didn't even know there was no goal line technology. So it's mental how different the game is, but ultimately these days, it's money that's that's going to get you, you know, viewership, and right now is going to get you through COVID, and there's uh, there's going to be a few Scottish clubs that could struggle, like which is a shame. Yeah. And that's from the top level as well. It's not just the lower leagues; the top level as well. There's there's clubs struggling, but uh, hopefully everything comes out of it. We hope so, Fresh man. We hope so. Um, right. Well. Mo- moving off for that, we'll we'll move in. We'll move into chatting a little about a little bit about West Ham, because uh, that's kind of why I got you on. Obviously, they, they played they played Liverpool on Sunday, and then they had another great game last night. Um, but I I have to start this kind of part of the conversation with quoting Matthew exactly his exact <laughs> words with what he said about Tom, on, Thomas Suchek. Matthew, your exact words were he he is a donkey man. This might be a bit rash, but do you ever look at someone like him and wonder how he has made it as a professional football yeah, player? I'm fine. I'm sorry. I'm starting to find that life in the uh, limelight here and being a pundit is tough. Like, you got to watch what you got to say now. You'll get, you'll get pulled up. AJ, what, what's your thoughts on that about big Tommy Sojcik? Yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> I was passionately typing away at Instagram <laughs> last, last week. Um, when I listened to it, I was in my car. I was actually just stopped at Asda to get petrol, and then I put it on um, driving to the restaurant, and I nearly turned around and went home with rage. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, nah, listen, he's a, he's, a, he's a top player. He has, he's, he's brought so much to the team already. Um, you can go into stats like I did on Instagram, um, hmm. but there's more to a footballer than that. 
he did score again last night, though, which is just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, 11 goals in 35 games he's got now, which, can I just say, Dimitri Payet, who's my absolute footballing icon from the last few years, only reached 11 goals in 49 games for West Ham. So just think that he was wow. such a cult hero. Um, but his two checks just just been unbelievable. He's not even a he's not even a goal scorer. You wouldn't you wouldn't associate with him goal scorer. Mm. The only thing I can sympathise a wee bit with your comments is the as the donkey. <laughs> Whoever said that, I don't know. I don't know if somebody said that was a donkey. Me, that was me. Um, <laughs> as he's quite he's quite unorthodox in the way he moves, but that's the only criticism I have because yeah. he's he's very intelligent. Um, you saw it last night against Villa. I don't know if you've seen highlights or watched the game. Um, his goal stemmed from him making a third runner run, essentially. Ball went into the striker. It was laid off to Ben Rama, who played an unbelievable first-time pass. But you just see him absolutely nailing it into the box as fast as he can. And Aston Villa defenders can't react to that. And then he's got the composure to look up, set himself before he shoots, and then put it in the bottom corner. Keeper's got no chance. So um, It shows he's technically gifted. I mean, yeah, he's not he's not the most orthodox when he moves and when he when he kind of kicks the ball, but he's technically gifted in a weird way. Um, he's very tall, which is good as a midfielder. Mm. Defensive set pieces, he's always said to clean up. Um, he's also scored five headers, so he's, I mean, it's good in the good in the attacking sense. And I think he, he rubs off on Declan Rice really well. Um, two the players playing together, is, is at, for me, that's a really solid two to have in the middle of the park, whether you're playing the 4-2-3-1 or the 3-4-3. Or whatever it is they're playing with the three at the back, and to have those two in there is good because it just offers that security. I think when teams are breaking, because a lot of teams do play kind of attacking football, um, so to have them two there is, is great. I, I love him. I honestly love him. He's the best signing we've had, um, along with Payet for me in the last few years. Um, he plays with a smile on his face all the time. He's really funny. He's really affectionate. Um, he, you can tell that around his teammates as well. It's not just his silly interviews he does when he can't speak. I don't know if you've heard, heard of him interview, but can't speak properly and it's just hilarious to watch but yeah every time he's playing you see him smiling and he's got the right body language he's got the right he's got the right um attitude about him so that's why fans are loving him already as well but um to score almost one in three games as a central midfielder you can't ask for much more than that uh, but yeah he does a lot he does a lot more than that as well so yeah i've really really great signing i think AJ, uh, i think um, declan rice compliments him massively like I think he suits he suits West Ham, doesn't he? And he suits David Moyes. And I think when you play with the two like this, and you have them both there defensively, Rice and him are strong, right? But I think like yeah. Moyes is obviously just giving him the freedom that if he wants to go, he can go. And then Declan Rice obviously sits. And I think it suits fantastically. And I think Moyes deserves credit for. He's clearly like a he's a box to box midfielder, right? Eh? Yeah. Like, yeah. It kind of reminds he's, he kind of reminds me of like an old school box to box midfielder because we don't have a lot of them anymore, do we? Like, nah. but it's interesting to see because he does. Yeah, you're right. Um, and what you say about Rice as well, and the fact that Rice will sit for him as well, it does give him that freedom, which is which is great. Um, Rice compliments Rice compliments them a lot. I think I think when he knows that Declan Rice is there and Declan Rice is playing unreal this season, I'm a huge fan by the way, and I think just when Soychek is allowed to just have the freedom to go, which he wants to do, and he's coming on late mm. to crosses, it's fucking hard to stop. He's six foot seven, mate. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, man. How, uh, how, how, good, how good do you think Declan Rice could be, AJ? Because I watch him, um, and I think he's got a lot about him, and, and as always, he's, got, he's probably going to be, maybe not necessarily a victim, because I, I think he, 
he probably will get a move, but he's going to get priced at a high at a high number because he's English, right? Which is what happens. Yeah. But like, how how good how good do you think he is? I think he's got the got the potential to go and be world class. I think he's got. You were talking about the England situation last week. Um, personally, I think he's cemented that position already, and he's a guarantee at the Euros every game. Um, he's he's influential. You can tell on the pitch that he's just influential. His breakup play as well is unbelievable. He's always reading the game so well. England don't have that. West Ham haven't had that for a long time. Um, I think anyone in that top four chasing the title, chasing Champions League every season, would be stupid not to try and sign him. Um, obviously, we'll be gutted when he leaves, but um, it's it's quite clear and obvious that he deserves a move. And if he wants to go, then he will go. But yeah, it's that whole how much are we going to price him at? Because mm. ridiculous, really. It could be anywhere up to 100 million, I think. It, it, it shouldn't be as, but you never know. It could could go all the way up to that because um, we're not going to want to let him go. He's a West Ham lad, but he's obviously a Chelsea lad, but he's played his game, his professional game at West Ham. Um, he's already essentially a club legend, I think. He's only 22, mm-hmm. but he only just turned 22, but. Yeah, he's he's a top top player, and he's one of the main reasons why we're doing doing so well. Um, he's got that like he looks as influential as Lampard did when he was playing another different kind of players. But um, he's just got that about him. He's got a lot about him. Do you uh, what what's like your thoughts on Moyes Moyes overall? Because he he obviously we mentioned it last week. He he did the thing at Everton for for a long time and did a great job, in my opinion. And then tried to do the United job where you could say anybody maybe would have failed that. I mean, after the last few years, it's it's obviously been difficult. But then after that, did the Real Sociedad, did Sunderland, didn't really work out for him. It's his second time at West Ham, right? So, yeah. like, what what's I mean, what's the kind of your feeling and the general consensus around Moise over the time he's kind of been there? I mean, right now it's obviously really good. Um, I can't lie to you though and say that I wanted him. I wanted him here before the season started, but I didn't. Um, I don't know why. He's because he's a legend of the Premier League. He's what fourth, fourth or fifth most games managed in the Premier League. But um, at the moment, it's really good. I think he's he's worked out a system that we can two well two systems that we can play depending on who we're playing. And you can tell he's brought the boys together and he's getting the best out of players. Um, one thing that I do really love about him is that, that he's recruited players and they've come in and done class. And he's openly said that West Ham's recruitment has been awful the last few years. Mm. And uh, he's not just going to go and sign anyone. That's why he didn't sign a striker at the end of this window, which everyone was expecting him to do, because he didn't see the right fit. So I think that says a lot about him and it says a lot about his attention to detail and like how how kind of at home he's feeling now already. Um, a couple of seasons ago when he was there, I, I was like, oh God, here we go. Relegation. But I mean, you can't say that about him now. We're, we're obviously flying, but it's how we react. Another another way to look at it as well is, obviously we took a humbling defeat last, last week against Liverpool. We were flying at the time. How do we bounce back and how do we react from that result? Because it's 3-1, it's... it's Essentially, it's a pumping. I know the game is slightly different in that sense, but because mm. we played well, I thought we thought we thought we showed up quite well. Were you disappointed? Were you disappointed that? Because in my opinion, I thought that you were way more informed than we were. And I, this yeah. is not just West Ham. This is the last Liverpool's probably the last four or five games. 
I was a little, I was, I thought from thinking about you coming on here and I, I was thinking about it from a West Ham fan perspective. I was, I thought you were probably maybe disappointed that you didn't go for it a bit more. I don't, I don't yeah. mean like open up and play and, and try and outplay Liverpool, whatever you want to say, but just, just be a bit more, we, I didn't really feel troubled in that game. Yeah, so especially when I saw the lineups come out, I saw that Liverpool lineup and thought, by the way, we've we've got to go, we're in with a chance, hundred percent, because you've got the young boy at centre back, um, and the front three was just a bit off. I mean, I don't think they're capable re- replacements personally. Mm. Looking as an outside review, um, outsider's point of view, I don't think the two that came in for Manny and Firmino are capable, but um, nobody's really capable to replace them two at the moment, I think. Um, but yeah, I looked at the lineups and thought, here we go. This is this could be an R three points. Um, first half, yeah, very cagey. We were defending. Um, Liverpool had five five shots up, up until Salah put one into Fabianski. Um, five shots and none on target. So that's obviously said a lot, a lot of good things about our defensive performance. But yeah, you're right. We didn't really trouble them at all. Trouble um, Liverpool's goal at all. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was disappointing. I think yeah, I was quite disappointed. Um, we scored the most goals from set pieces this season, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, we scored from a set piece again. But mm-hmm. it took until we were three 0 down to to do that. So yeah, I I I do agree with what you're saying. I think I think we we should be disappointed we didn't go for it a bit more because looking at a the lineups, B form, C <laughs> with the chance of staying in the top four. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like or go in the top four, or whatever. But uh, yeah, that's how we bounce back from that. We've played played Villa last night, who are also having an unbelievable season, and we've played them off the park. I don't know, Villa Villa looked lethargic and not up for it. It was quite strange, actually. But yeah, we were brilliant. We obviously had a, a newbie come in and kill it for us, <laughs> which is great to see. I can believe it. Another another one that looked at him and said, oh, he, Lingard, but you know that he's got that got that about him. People don't like him. Some people don't like him. Some people do. I've always been on the fact that I don't like him, but yeah. he's come in, he's scored two goals in his debut and he's looked apart and he's worked well with Antonio. He's worked well um, with the team. He probably knows a lot of the boys as well, being English. So, yeah, that would be a good sign. And I think we, the only way is up for us. But yeah, we bounce back with a top, top win and we go away to Fulham this weekend, which is essentially another game which we should be getting three points. And that just keeps us in, keeps us up there, keeps us in the top top six race for me, top seven race which is what we're after. Absolutely, man. Do you, Matthew, we, we were chatting about David Moyes. Do you find it, or why do you think that the quote-unquote top clubs, right, they never really go for like British managers? I mean, someone's probably going to comment and prove me wrong on that, but I feel like they never really go for British managers. <laughs> well, do you know what I mean? Like, David Moyes got the Man United. I mean, Fergie, obviously... I think probably all in agreement, the greatest of all time. I mean, absolutely, certainly up in the discussion, absolutely. And then obviously they went for Moyes, uh, but yeah, British managers just don't really seem to get a go, do they? There's not, is there, there's not too many of them, is there? Nah. Nah. I get, I mean, I get, I mean, I guess not, to be honest with you, which is, which is a weird thing. It, it seems to the top clubs seem to always look to go from out with. I mean, it's a great point, actually, Matthew. Who would you pick? That's I mean, who Brendan would you pick? Rogers is a, 
I mean, Brendan Rodgers is probably in there. He's probably starting. No, to... yeah, yeah, I agree with that. He's he's turning a top top coach, and I think yeah, any bigger club would be would be stupid not to go for him if it ever. Yeah, yeah massive. But yeah, you look at the English managers, and it's all there. What you've got your Sam Allardyce's, David Moyes, you've got like Alan Pardew and all them. Like they're just Premier League managers. I think, I think, I think, I think you need to look at like the way football's evolved as well. I think, like, I think if you look at that, I think that's why you start to see more foreign managers and that come along because, like, if you look at like your fucking Pardews, Allardyce, Roy Hodgson, and that, like, you know, you know, you know what you're going to get from them. But I yeah. think if teams yeah. are looking to to try and expand and break into whatever their goals and targets and that are. They're looking to play like a certain style of football, I guess, what's quote unquote a little more exciting. So I think trans mm. I don't know, just off our conversation there, I think that's maybe one of the reasons is something like that. Um but just Josh, just real quick, just going off the Liverpool West Ham game just real quick. I thought so I was a little concerned when playing use right, I was like user inform uh, Antonio's going to cause the two Tendo and the young boy a, a bunch of problems because it's an absolute machine. Um, but to be fair, I think I think it was the fourth, the first corner you got AJ. I think you took it short, and now and you and you and then you tried to put it in the box and it didn't work. And I was like, oh, that was strange. Like I thought the first corner you would get. Like when I'm thinking we're playing West Ham, I'm thinking fucking soy check. I'm thinking Antonio or right. So two centre halves like you are massive, eh? Mm, yeah. West Ham are big and I was thinking like right now Liverpool have no height or physicality or nothing like that like we've lost Van Dijk Gomez Fabinho's not playing and I just when you've got that first corner and I think you did play it short and then like totally fucked it I was like I thought that was a bit strange and I just think I, I just think if you play Liverpool right now I think you early doors you've got to just land balls in the centre half and fight for them and win the second balls and I, when I seen that I, I was just like, I don't know if West Ham are like, I don't know what's really up with them tonight, but I just thought that was a, that was a little strange for me. When I seen that, I thought, oh, maybe we've actually got a chance here. Yeah, um, no, you're right. The Like I said earlier as well, we've had the most goals from set pieces in the league this year. Now we've seen it 12. That Dawson goal against Liverpool was a 12. We've had the most headed goals this season as well. So you'd, you'd have He's thought... He's a big light, big exactly. light. It's almost like it's almost like it was well it is it's giving them too much respect from the start and then that's obviously Massively, yeah that's what I'm trying to probably say. giving like, them confidence isn't it so. oh usually that's what I got from it I was like I thought early doors you used would just ping balls at Antonio and let him like get the better of Henderson and the young centre back in but I was looking at it like you didn't like really do that at all I don't know if like the game got away from them or whatever but I think maybe just when I first watched it I seen that first short corner I was like. I just thought you mm. were going to land that right on, like on the keeper, like get big donkey. Yeah, should have, hundred percent, hundred percent should have. It's a lot of big boys in there. It's, it's not only big boys; it's boys that scored. Obama's scored a few mm. goals in his time in corners, and he famously scored the last ever goal at the at Upton Park against Man United to win three two. And then Dawson's come in and scored two goals already this year and stuff like that. So yeah. That's a good point, and like, yeah, we should have we should have put it right in and seen what happened because you never know it could come off anyone. Uh, one of the boys could have gone the end of it and gone one up early on. So yeah, it was dis- it was a disappointing result all, all in all. But you can sometimes you just can't compete with quality like that. The the goals that were scored, yeah, Salah's two were, were were unbelievable. At Salah's second, I think like Salah's the touch and the finish, like. 
I think that's so underrated, man. Like, we're, we're yeah, gonna, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. We're uh, we'll, we'll, we're gonna we'll chat about him in a little bit more detail after this bit, Matthew. So so hold hold that thought. But AJ, I, I have a question for you because this actually pisses me off a little bit because I like West Ham and like I said to you before we came on, I actually think they're they are a big English club. Like whatever you want to say, the big six thing. West Ham are a huge English club. I hate the stadium, mate. I absolutely hate that stadium. Yeah. I just don't, it's so, the fans are so far away from anything. Like, Upton Park was just tight. And I remember Arsene Wenger saying the reason it was so hard to, to go to places like Anfield and Old Trafford was, of course, the history that they have and, and how good those teams are. But he was like, the fans are, you turn around, like, a fan could reach out and touch you. Like, it's so close. Yeah. Like, it's so yeah. tight. And I don't know. I just don't like that new stadium. I don't know what you think about it, but. Yeah, so Upton Park, firstly, was honestly incredible. I think the best ever football experience I've had was a few years ago. Uh, me and my dad went to London to watch West Ham Man City. We drew two all. Um, we went to a proper West Ham boozer before the game. I'd like, didn't just have like two or three pints. We went for like another six, seven pints. Love that. Um, went to the game, but we got tickets, luckily, with a boy through my dad's work or something. I don't know what it was. And... Uh, we were right in with the singing section, the fans that make the songs and go wild, basically. So six pints deep in that section made the game unbelievable. And yeah, you're right. So close to everyone. You're so close to the pitch. The, the atmosphere is just incredible. And it was honestly the best stadium. It's, it, was, it was amazing. So yeah, when we left, it was obviously sour for all the fans because we didn't want to move. Firstly, we didn't want to destroy Upton Park. <clears throat> but... Obviously, we moved in and we struggled. Remember how bad we were first season of being in there? But yeah, you're right. It's, Olymp- it's an Olympic stadium, so you, you've you got the track. It's very similar to... Well, it's the same as all Olympic stadiums, really. I've been to Berlin and Espanyol, which are both Olympic stadiums. And it's the same thing. Like, the, the tracks there and all the athletic stuff's there between the pitch and the fans. So, yeah, the atmosphere's just not the same. Um, here's here's a question for you, mate. What? Because uh, I've spent I've spent the last eight years of my time, you know, coaching. So I've not had an opportunity to do this, and this is what I kind of want to do, you know, when I can time off from work and whatever. But what's the best stadium, or yeah, the best stadium you've been to? Oh, that's um. I loved Upton Park for obvious reasons. Thank you, um, <laughs> Tyne Castle is great as well. It is great. The atmosphere is unbelievable as well and it's full and rocking. It's brilliant. Um, the most special to, to kind of look at or like upon arrival when you get in, the kind of wow factor was Hertha Berlin, the Olympia Stadion or whatever it's called. Um, it's like an ancient cathedral the way it's like built. It's unbelievable. And then you go in, um, pitch is massive. The, the stadium's absolutely massive. I was lucky enough to watch Berlin v Leipzig. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were right beside the Leipzig fans. They were literally 50 yards to your left. And these football fans were crazy. So that experience was unbelievable. So, yeah, I think Hertha Berlin's definitely up there. Um, the only other ones I've been to really, in Eng- I've been to Old Trafford a few times, been to St. James's Park a few times as well. St. James's Park's pretty special as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in there, it's good. But yeah, I have to say Upton Park. I've still not been to London Stadium yet, which is which is a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, plan to go as soon as possible. Hopefully, it's while we're still doing well in the league. Yeah. 
um, so we can win a game. I've not seen them. I've seen them live a lot, but I've not never really seen them win many games. Right. Uh, which is sad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, I think Upton Park's the favourite, but there's a couple of Europeans as well. The, the Espanyol one, which is an Olympic stadium as well, in, in uh, Barcelona, that was special as well. So the um, Barcelona derby, so that was, that was pretty cool as well. Matthew, what would you say? You've been to probably a few more than me as well. What would you say is your best? Probably, I went to the new camp for a Champions League night, and like, kind of like what AJ was saying. See, when you get there, it's so fucking big. It's like, it's like it looks like just this huge, like massive, like coliseum. Like it's absolutely massive. So. I'll probably, I've probably honestly got to say the new camp when I went there for a Champions League night, like like a Tuesday night or something like that. Like it was, it was unreal. Was it against Celtic? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah that would have been amazing, man. With Jordi Alba scored. Was that the one where Jordi Alba scores in the last minute? Right, Jordi Alba is hands down the best player I've ever seen play live. Like I couldn't believe how good he was. Really? Yeah, mate. Like he looks like. He just he just glides everywhere. Like he doesn't even break a sweat either. Like he's so quick and he just glides everywhere. Didn't give the ball away. Like runs up and down. Doesn't break a sweat. He's honestly like I was just sitting there watching him. Like even like Messi was playing. Um, Tony Watford Celtic. Nah, I'm just <laughs> was that the game he scored against him? No. Nah, nah, nah. It wasn't. Nah. Um, to be fair, actually, Wanyama. It was when Wanyama was there. Wanyama was on real that night. Um, but honestly, Jordi Alba, when I went to the new camp, he's, he's the best player I've, I've ever seen live. Like, he was unreal. Wow. One for you boys I went in to see in America. I went to Real Salt Lake Stadium and watched Salt Lake mm. versus... Ah, I can't remember who it was now, but it was, it was a mental game. There was a, it was 5-3. There was a couple of red cards, a couple of penalties. It was just absolute chaos. That must be um, but from a neutral point of view, it was brilliant. But yeah, that was, a, that was an experience as well. Real, Real Salt Lake, when I was there in Cali, there was a guy that coached at the club I coached at that was at Real Salt Lake, and I heard loads of great things about them. Like Apparently, their setups are meant to be class, their facilities are meant to be pretty decent. Because uh, you, you, you played uh, in Nebraska for a bit, nah? Was it Nebraska? Yeah, so it was in Nebraska, yeah, four yeah, years yeah. there. So. What, 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 did you, what did you find, like, obviously you played here pretty much all your life and, and you did a stint there like what have you found the difference like here between here and there play uh, it's, it's more of an athletic game I think over there um, I kind of it's kind of like a stereotype I guess so, but I mean players that are is, a lot fitter players are a lot fitter the kids kids in general are a lot fitter I think they go to the gym really early they build up muscle really early they so yeah, really fit fit boys, and technically speaking, they're not the best. But it's difficult to play against. Um, it's a lot more technical here. It's a lot more in your face here as well. You get a lot more time in the ball out there. I thought I felt. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like the comparison England Scotland. It's totally different. It's a totally different game out there. But um, the quality, the standard of play was still. Unbelievable. There was one team in our conference called Hastings College who won the national tournament the year after, first year I went as a freshman. And then every year they're ranked in the top five in the, in the nation. And the players that they had were unbelievable. They had one, I know, I remember a boy called Nate Polak, his name was. He's, he got drafted to the Red Bulls in the draft mm. in 2011. Mm. And uh, so players like that, so players like that you're playing against, they were, they, were, they were still a different level. It's just, yeah, 
I'd say it's more of an athletic game. Um, you get more time on the ball. And uh, yeah, it was it was yeah, it was a good experience. No uh no no Sunday, no Saturday night pint Sunday league footy stuff over there, is there? <laughs> no, not at all. Nah, the very best is cans of Keystone Light <laughs> after the game, but nah. <laughs> it's they don't have it. In, they don't have it in them. As a, it's not. It's not their culture. Do you know what I mean? It's not their culture. No, nah, it's not at all. It's, yeah. it's a, no, it's not at all. Um, there's obviously the whole aggression point of things as well. It's nowhere near as aggressive, um, and that's towards officials and it's towards your opponents as well. Like some of the insults I used to get were just were just crazy to just La- laugh. It's laughable, yeah. isn't it? It's laughable when yeah. they try and mind you up compared to here. It's uh... go back to your own country was the main one. Um, which is just madness. Like you hear that, and you're just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stamp all over you. I'm just gonna run rings around you. Like you hear that kind of thing, and like, yeah. Whereas here, you've got, you've got big, big players steaming into tackles, telling you they're gonna do all sorts and that. Like it's just totally different. The different level, man. Different level. To finish, to finish off on the on the West Ham piece, mate. Um, before we move on to the last part, what do you like? What are you expecting then to? You know, at the end of the season, Mamoys, what do you want? Now, um, I want to finish in the top seven. I don't see why that's not a realistic goal for us. Yep. I'm not daft to think that the top four is an achievable goal because I don't think it is. Um, it would be unbelievable. It would be a dream if they did. But yeah, top seven for me, a European place would be unbelievable. Top six, if possible. But there's that many good teams in the league this year that you just don't know where. Essentially, you don't know what the top 10 is going to be. No. Um, I'll be disappointed, though, if we don't, if we slip out of the top eight for sure. I think that would, that would, that would make a right downer on the season because we've done so well up to this point. We're obviously only just over halfway through, though, so there's so many games to play. But I think with the confidence we're playing with, the way we're playing, the form that the boys are in and all the new guys that are in, I think we've got a good recipe to finish in the top seven. Um Seventh would be great. Sixth, the bonus, and anything above that would just be unbelievable. I agree with you, man. I think that's a fair. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment, a fair evaluation. I think that if you finish any lower than that with where you're at right now, it would probably be a disappointment. I think it's like anything. You start off the season with one kind of idea of how you want to do, and then when you hit this point, it it can change, right? For better, for worse. Yeah. But I um I hundred percent agree. I think that top seven you should be aiming for. You've got you've got a manager that's been in the league long enough that knows how to do it. He's built something there that is winning your games. I mean, beating Villa last night, like you said, that's not an easy game. Aston Villa have been absolutely fantastic this season. So, yeah, I, I think top seven, mate. I think that's a, that's a good shout. Um, Matthew, any other questions you want to ask AJ about West Ham or any of that before we move on to the next bit? No, I think, I think that top seven shout is fucking a great shout, by the way. I think you don't need to keep players fit. Like, see, if if Antonio gets injured, who have you? Who comes in? Who plays there? Yeah, that's that's the one the one slip up which I think we're not prepared for because he does get injured a lot. He's never fully fit. He does, he never does ninety minutes. Um, Yarmolenko, I think, from what I've seen, Yarmolenko is the substitute, which is just he's not even a striker. Um, he's lazy. He's got quality, that's for sure, and he can produce a magic moment. But he's just not the not the answer. So what I, what I think might happen is he might he might play Lingard as a false nine and then keep Fornals in the team because for me Fornals doesn't deserve to be dropped, but he will be. Mm. Um, 
we've not got another striker, I don't think. Um, so yeah, it's Yarmolenko or it's changed the changed the system. I think. What, what um, was the chat with Diego? Say that again. Sorry, mate. What was the chat with Diego Costa? Was was West Ham in for him? Ah, never. Yeah, that was all. That was all paper talk. That just um, all paper talk, was it? Not the type of player that David Moyes wants. That's that's a fact. Um, I, I don't know if he came out and said that, but there was. I read something about, in a West Ham blog about that. Um, it was just. It was a dead thing. It was never. It was never going to happen. It was never even planned. So. I would have, I would have happily taken him. I think he's, he's got his own qualities and stuff. But yeah, we we do need, we did need a striker, and we do need a striker. We've now not got one, so it's a real test of resolve if that does go tits up, which will be interesting to see. Yeah, I think, uh, I think top sevens are top sevens are a great shout, and I think if you if you keep those main boys fit, you've, you're definitely right in for a shout. Like, absolutely, I couldn't agree anymore. Um, mo- moving into the kind of final bit. Of, of what I thought about um, chatting with, having you on, AJ, and kind of, you know, playing with you for a while and knowing you, I thought this would be a good conversation. was hoping Greggy and Scotty would be on as well, but they're not able to make it on tonight. Unfortunately, hi, shite bags. Scotty. Couldn't face the music after the West Ham Couldn't miss. Shat the bed. Shat the bed. Greg and Scott, shat the bed. Uh, Scotty did text you to say, tell all the fans I'm still single and I'll get back to all my DMs when I'm back to social media. I mean, I think... <laughs> I think every fan might be a guy. Nothing wrong with that, Scotty. But uh, <laughs> they they know that they know that they'll uh, that you're um, not on tonight, mate, and you'll get back to them. But I wanted to I wanted to chat about for the last kind of half hour, twenty minutes or so, however long it takes us, just chat about like just players and players in general that I feel like are are underrated and are maybe even nowadays spoken about differently than how they were. And one player, and I mentioned him last week on on the podcast that I really like, and again. This, this comes from a view of watching him every single week, and this is not a biased view. I genuinely think that kids should watch how this guy plays, and I don't think he gets talked about enough, and that's Genie Wijnaldum for Liverpool. I think that when, when we signed him, it was, what the fuck is that? Because he was coming from a relegated Newcastle team. He was playing out in the wing. To be honest with you, they were shite that year. And I was like, what is that? But Jurgen Klopp doing what Jurgen Klopp does. That's the type of players he buys. He sees something in them that you don't. And I just think that the way he shields the ball, Matthew, is so good. I think that if you're a kid and you're wanting to play any position, but certainly in the modern day and age playing in the middle of the park, you need to watch what he does and how he does it. Yeah, I think he's one of those players that when he leaves will be like, well, Liverpool fans will be like, holy shit, like, Never appreciated him as much as we should have. And by the way, like I would love to see his stats. How many minutes does he play? And he's never injured. Touch wood, by the way. He's fucking got loads of injuries right now. But like he just seems reliable. Like he's never injured of that. He gives you a solid. I mean, to be fair, it was actually really poor against Brighton uh, the other night. Was it last time we played there yeah, last night? But I just think he's one of those players, mate. I'm a huge fan, and I just he can play holding midfield. He can play as an eight or a ten. Um. I just think that when he does leave, we won't be able to replace him. We'll be like, holy shit, like, he was fucking really good for us. Really, really good. Yeah. What do you think about him, AJ? I don't know if you've, if you've watched a ton of him or whatnot, but... Yeah, I've always liked him since he's moved. Um, 
he offers something different, I think, in the middle of the park as well, because he's quite he's quite athletic and like you said, he shows the ball really well. So he can get by players and keep it. He rarely loses it. He doesn't have enough goals in his game, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know his goal stats, so I'm just kind of saying that off the top of my head. But yeah, I think he's a top top player, and he would be a big miss if if he was to leave because he offers so much on the pitch. Um, he gets about, he covers so much ground as well. Um, which is obviously a testament to what Matthew said and the fact that he's, he's never injured, he's always fit and he's always playing. So he is Mr. Reliable and he's, yeah, he's a very, very good player in my, in my book. There was one thing I got, I got, or I learned, should I say, from when I was coaching out in America and, and it was this guy that, I probably mentioned him before, but it was this guy that worked at Barcelona and he said that what the first thing they do with the kids at, at, at the academy at La Masia is one of the very first things they teach them at the youngest age is how to shield the ball. Like they just do weeks on just how to shield the ball and how to turn. Because he's like, if you can do that and you're very good at that, especially if you play in the middle of the park, it's really difficult to get it off you. And he said that, I remember him saying like Xavi and Iniesta get loads of applauds for, you know, their goals and their, and their through balls and whatnot. But he said, watch how good they are at spinning away from people and shielding it and turning people. And Ever since he said that, I was like, that makes a shit ton of sense because if you're good at shielding the ball and it's hard to get it off you, then, I mean, that's that's something that's huge. And I, I've just really noticed that in, in Gini Wijnaldum since he's come to Liverpool and more so in the last three years. He's absolutely fucking class at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I, really I, interesting as well, actually. Yeah. Um, just because that takes away the whole physical aspect of the, or physique aspect of the game. If you're not big and strong and you can do that, then... It doesn't matter if you're not big and strong, does it, really? Exactly. You look at you look at that Barca team, and it was very... There's a big misconception about it that they were all nice and they played football and they passed. And if you really go back and watch the games, and I, I was fortunate to work with this guy for a bit, he said that the big thing that everyone didn't see was, you know, in training and, and, and was in games is that they're nasty. Like, they're, they're, like, when you're running away, like, Xavi's tripping you up and pulling your shirt and nipping at you and and clipping at your heels, but they just have this perception of like, they were just this perfect passing football team, Matthew. But they had that, they had that in them. They had that bit of bite, that bit of nastiness that every top team has to have. No, yeah, I completely agree. And I've, I've even like, I've even played with boys where like, you know, small like me or that, and you play against them and they're good at shooting the ball and you're just like, it makes it really, it makes it really fucking difficult. Especially if you play in the middle of the park, like it, it makes it really, really difficult. You don't, need, you don't even need to be big and strong or that. You can win loads of fouls from it, and I, I think you're definitely right there. I think it's something that um, kids should 100% be taught at a young age. It's huge. Who, who else in the league do you guys think that you've watched? Either it could be for West Ham age, or it could be for anyone. Oh. Do you think it's underrated? Because I mean, I've got, I've got one other in Lucas Digne Everton. I think he's absolutely fucking class as a left-back. Like, I don't think he gets talked a lot about. And every time I watch him, he's absolutely brilliant. But I don't know if, if you have any other ones that, that you think are decent that don't get... Yeah. I've, I've got one. I've got one. Mate, I think that Rafinha for Leeds is fucking good. Like, like every time I watch him, I just get excited. Like, he can do everything. Like, he sprints back. The way he moves with his left foot. He's like he's nasty as well. He's got a goal on him. He's got an assist on him. Like I think he causes whoever's playing. It was thing they played left back against him and the other night. He causes him a whole ton of problems. He he comes inside. He hangs out wide. I just when I watch Leeds, I just love watching him. And I'm like, 
mate, he's a fucking player, man. He's good. He's really good. Yeah, I agree with that totally. Um, I obviously love watching wingers play because I play on the wing as well. So mm-hmm. he's he's got he's got real good quality. Um, yeah, he's definitely in my fantasy plans for next week as well. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm not to say that, but I don't want to fucking tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in your league, so it's fine. We'll, we'll do that next season. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, a player for me that I've loved in the Premier League for a couple of seasons, like actually, he's at Everton now as well. Um, his Dukuri, when he was at Watford, I always enjoyed watching him play. I don't know, I don't know what it is about him because I don't think he's got star quality or he's not. Got, he's obviously not a flair player. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he does is what he does is brilliant. Um, and it is quite similar to Thomas Suchek, I think, as well. Um, the fact that he bursts forward late, but he's he's also got a good brain on him, and I think he's been a quality signing for Everton. Um, you look at Rodriguez, who's obviously been different class, but um, you can tell he's different class the way he plays and stuff. The Corey does the stuff that. Hamez and stuff like that won't do and don't want to do. Like the Corey's in there yeah, to they, do the work. Kind of allows him not to do it as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that's that. That he's he's been an unbelievable signing. But even at Watford, he was he was good at Watford. Um, I've always enjoyed watching him play. I think he's underrated. Because um, you, yeah. I think for me, sorry Matthew, I, I think for me that a big thing that's that's happened with football recently. I think because of how. How much more the players have become almost like celebrities now because of social media, which is cool. That's the way it's going to go. But I think that clubs for a long time have, and certainly probably at the top level, have almost just tried to sign like big names without actually looking at it and going, "What does he bring to what we have? Does it? Does it? The key word is: is it a good balance, right? And or or is it not? And I think that football kind of went towards that, like, let's just sign celebrities and not what actually works for the team because celebrities sell shirts, they pack out stadiums more, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And someone like Dukuri is a great point. Is like, yeah, James is probably the, the star man and more people have James on the back of their top than Dukuri. But what Dukuri does allows James to be who James is. And, you know, and, and to go back to Gini Wijnaldum, what Gini Wijnaldum does, it allows Mo Salah and Roberto Firmino and Sadio Mane to do what they want to do, right? So it's those those type of players are so important. You you forget about those guys and they don't get talked about as much and they kind of almost get forgotten, which is fine because all these big names kind of come to the forefront. But it's just all about balance. That's what it is. Decore's been a Decore's yeah. a great signing for them. Like that's exactly whatever ever needed. Like fucking just legs in midfield. Eh? Like he's. Yeah. That's a great shout, AJ. He's massive. But even Josh, mine was at Watford. I was ranting and raving about him, eh? You did. I, when he was at Watford, I was like, someone needs to get him, man, because he's playing in a Watford team. Yeah. wasn't the best, but um, see when Alan comes back from as well, and they've got and they go back to decorating him in the yeah. field, they'll uh, they'll they'll come they'll come really really good again, I think. Who? Um... Yeah, they're miss, they're missing him a lot. At that Alan, that Alan's been different class as well. He's a top top player. Um, that first game that they played against Spurs, I know Spurs were terrible, but um, the way they were set up that game yeah. is a, is for me is a top six team, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We also miss Richarlison when he's not on the team as well. I know he looks like a grumpy, angry little man, but um, <laughs> what's his he's a top player the as well? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, what, 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 is, what, is what does he ask for? What does he ask for when he goes to get that? <laughs> what, what the fuck is that? I know. 
She can do it once, so he's paid that much money. I'd, I'd have a ridiculous haircut if I was a Premier League football player. I'd have the many things I want to do with my hair, but I'll never do it. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who, who did, who did you to? Who would you say you guys looked up to, like as a, as a football player when you were playing and younger? Like who was, who was your one player that you looked up to? It might have been for the team you support, or it could have been someone completely different. Like who was it? I, I was. I was obviously. I was obviously Steven Gerrard, like hmm. obviously going up when you know the champions with the Champions League went that. But I'd probably go Gerrard. But I'm trying to think of. <laughs> Josh, you're you're gonna laugh at this. I've always said this to you. You know, for some reason, right? When I used to always always watch football when I was younger. This isn't be random as fuck, by the way. But I used to always love watching Scott Parker play football. Fair. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, went through a weird phase of just being obsessed with watching Scott Parker play centre midfield and just absolute stroll through like the whole games. Like, but I mean, obviously, like I'm not sitting there saying I looked up to Scott Parker, but for some reason it sits in my head that I used to love watching him. But I've got to go, Gerard, man. Like, I was, I was Gerard Daft growing up. He was class. Fair. What about you, AJ? Scott Parker's a funny one, actually. He's he's brilliant. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm going to try and think about something to do with Scott Parker, which I'm, I can't quite remember right now. I'll see if it comes back in my mind, but it's funny. Um, for me, the West Ham team that had Lampard in it, Ferdinand, Defoe, Canute, Carrick, all those kind of players that went on to be massive, they all started at West Ham. Um, I remember I've, I've still got a West Ham shirt upstairs actually that's got Michael Carrick it's got Carrick on the back mm. so I don't know if I should say that because I've, I've never been a centre midfielder in my life but normally you back on positions that you play sort of thing mm. but Michael Carrick was obviously a big one for me back in the day he's, a, he's <laughs> another player by the way that maybe now is starting to get a bit more credit for what he did but he's another one we've just been talking about that didn't get the credit he probably deserved at the time yeah yeah, he's, he's, he was a world-class midfielder, but yeah, you're right, he didn't. Um, getting slightly older, um, Gareth Bale's always been one for me, being in the same position. Um, I'm not trying to say that I play like Gareth Bale, or I'm anywhere near it, but I like, to base, I like to base my game around him when he was sort of a flying winger, before he got pumped with all sorts of juice and that that they put in him at Real Madrid. When he was at Spurs, when he was literally getting the ball and running, down the line and putting balls in the box. That's how I. That's what I base my game off. So what? What? Because I've, I've still got that pace, believe it or not. Mm. So okay. um, knock it and run is the style that I play. So but Gareth Bale doing that was just incredible to watch. So yeah, Bale as a slightly younger, uh, slightly older guy, Bale was always always one for me. AJ, you've transitioned us seamlessly into the next part of what I wanted to ask. Um, like what? And Matthew, you too, obviously chip in, but. What what like what's going on with Bill? I mean, has he? What 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 do we think's happened there? I mean, I know it's rumours. You can read what you want on Twitter, and you can hear what you want on Sky Sports News. Like Matthew, I'll start with you. From the outside looking in, to try and be as fair as possible because you don't know the man personally. Like, what do you think's going on? I don't. I don't know. Like, I I did. I did think it was a slightly strange signing for the fact that only, like going back to Tottenham again, but the fact that it was Mourinho, like, you know, Mourinho, you know what Mourinho wants to do with his players, like, from 
striker all the way back. Like you need to work hard off the ball. Like you you you're not gonna win your team if you don't. Eh? Like there's 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 not a lot of chances there. And I just never I I actually thought that Bale would come in and he would do those things. But to be fair, the games I've watched him play, he doesn't look bothered. He mm. he and if he want if he wants to if he wants to get in that Mourinho team when he's playing on the right or the left and they transition and break he needs to sprint back and try win the ball back and he doesn't do it and I think it is gonna end in a bit of a it could end in a bit you, of a disaster. Do you not and, think like the other night right they're playing um Brighton they played Brighton the other night and Bale started Harry Kane Mourinho saying he might be back next week but there was people didn't know how long he was out for. And I'm thinking to myself, you're Gareth Bale. Everyone knows what you can do, seeing what you can do. This is your moment to just, you don't need to be like fucking world class, but this is your moment just to like stand out and be like, look, I'm Bale, I'm here, I'm back. And I heard a lot of people be like, yeah, well, like he's not played a lot of games and, and all that, and he might not be fit. And I understand, but we've all played football and we love the game. And he's at that level, like you he didn't do anything. Like he didn't, he didn't look like he was trying to like prove a point. Do you know what I'm trying to say, AJ? Like, I don't think he did. Yeah. Um, That's not an excuse that he's not been playing games. Yeah. He might not be match fit. Jesse Lingard's not played and he scored banging two goals last night. There you go. Um, But yeah, Gareth Bale, for me, I think he's fallen out of love with the game. Just as simple as that. He's, he's been pagged at Real Madrid by the fans. They've treated him horribly. And he's just thought, you know what? I'm, yeah, I'm not bothered because he doesn't look bothered, Matt, Matthew. You're right? He, he just doesn't look bothered when he's on the pitch. He doesn't try. It looks like he's not trying. Um, he's got the quality. We all know he's got the quality, but I think he's fallen out with a lot of the game. And then when when that happens, I mean, he's probably not motivated to go to training. He's probably not motivated to to play. Um, Real Madrid ruined him. He did so much and he did so well, and he's he's got all these accolades and he's had an amazing career. But he's, he he shouldn't be done now. We, no uh, he be we done now. he's only thirty one as well. Though. But do you not yeah, exactly. do you not think that we like? I think one thing that we can sometimes make a mistake with is people that are like fans of the game and as kids and dreamed of potentially making it there, right? Like whatever you want to say, because you love it that much. I think we almost assume that every single player that makes it to that level like loves it that much and like you said maybe he obviously did because he got to that level and what he did but maybe he's just at a point where he's like I just don't really want to do this anymore I mean at the end of the day it's a very privileged thing but it's a job like it's a job you have to show up every day you have to train you have to deal with the media you have to want to keep improving and keep getting better and when you hit the heights you're at you know it's when you're at that level that he reached you have to kind of stay there because as soon as you come down a bit, everyone loves to, to kind of hate you. But you ha- maybe maybe just fucking it's like I just don't really want to do it anymore. I mean, he's got enough money to not do it anymore, and I know that's yeah. not an excuse, but I don't know. I think it, yeah, I, I think it needs to come from him. Like even if you look at the end on Bellow situation at Tottenham and Mourinho, and you know like that crazy start of like that one game where he only sprinted once. Um, and now Mourinho's given him a second chance obviously had a word win and now he's fucking everywhere he's sprinting everywhere he's fucking doing the marathoners around folk like he's an absolute machine so I think I think Bale I think like I don't think Mourinho's going to hold his hand I think it it just needs to come from him and yeah. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know how it's I don't know how that's going to turn out Bale by the way Gar- I, I, I kind of I got the stats up for him right so Gareth Bale 
scored 80 goals and got 46 assists in 171 games for Real Madrid. I mean, that's pretty decent. He scored twice yeah. against Liverpool in the Champions League final, one being the overhead kick, which I watched back today. You could definitely make an argument as the best Champions League final goal of all time. I mean, it was fucking incredible. 100%. Uh, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, po- I'll try and find out a way how to post that on the Insta so, so people can see it and remember it. But he scored that. He also scored the goal that put Madrid 2-1 up in extra time against Atletico in the final. Where they went on to win 4-1. But he scores that pivotal goal to make it 2-1. He scored the goal where he, what you just said, AJ, he just took that massive touch against Barca. I think and it was Ron Bartra. Right? Yeah. Scored that. That was in the Copa del Rey final. Um, he's won four Champions League, scored in two of the finals. He's won two La Ligas, one Copa del Rey, three Super Cups, and three Club World Cups. I mean, I, you could probably go as far as saying he's achieved it. He's achieved yeah. what he can achieve. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's been a world-class player. He's been one of the best players in the world for years. But um, I just don't want to... I don't want... Because you, you always remember the negatives about people in, mm-hmm. generally in life. And... Uh, you don't remember the positives as much as you do the negatives. So if this does go wrong for him this year, it would be really, really sad to see him labelled as something that he's, he's definitely not over the over the space of, what, two seasons or something, which he's had a bad year last year, and then it's kind of just tipping down. But you can see the negative attitudes coming in about him. Um, but one thing is you always notice is when he plays for Wales, he, he plays like he's playing as a kid. Um, he okay, clearly still good. loves it in that sense because he does he does he loves playing for Wales um, but yeah Sutton's gone wrong the last couple of years and it's, it's quite clearly showing now he's back in Premier League and he's in front of all of us again yeah he had you, you, um, could, you could use the Madrid excuse up to a point I guess like people could kind of be like alright maybe he fell out with Zidane and, and whatever like shit happens it's life but he's not he's not come back and, and showing like right it was shit there, but I'm back now. He he looks much in the same, which which is a real shame. So someone else who I was thinking about that doesn't get, in my opinion, when I when I speak to everyone I know about football and I meet people, and even Man United fans, when you talk about your all-time 11s, right? One man that never seems to get in it that I think was fucking incredible was Ray, was Wayne Rooney. Like, when you do an all-time 11, who whoever says Rooney? Like, not really anyone. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. No, you guys right. correct me if I'm wrong, but no one ever says Rooney. And I'm like, and what we talked about, Bale, where it's starting to get to the point now where people kind of are going to remember the backside of things and not that time at Spurs and when he first went to Madrid. And you kind of see, you kind of saw it with Rooney. Like, I feel like when people talk about Rooney, what they talk about was, the falling out of Fergie and, and the decline, if you want to call it, of Rooney, and then going to Everton in America, they don't talk about the Wayne Rooney that, that was this absolutely unbelievable player. Probably, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, probably the greatest English player of all time. I mean, up there. Yeah, 100%. He's very, he's, you're right. He's not, he's never in all time 11s. Um, <laughs> As a young boy coming through, he was he was out of this world. Uh, you've only got to watch programs on Sky like Premier League Greatest and the Hundred Club and stuff to to really see if you've not if you're not educated on it to really see how good he was and like his range of goals that he scored. But yeah, no, nah, it's a difficult one. 
Incredible. Yeah, he's he, 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 he could do he could do everything, eh? Like, like yeah. he he could he could hold it up. He could play as like a ten. He obviously went to play as a six, like towards the end of his career. He run he could run the channels. He could score headers. He could score. He could he was when he was like the all time just like made like perfect like fucking football away. Like he could he could he was he was aggressive as well. We had obviously that nasty side, which I think you need massively. Um, I bet Fer- I bet Fergie fucking rims in me. I bet you Fergie fucking rims in. Well, it's, it's funny you say that, right? I was forget what I was watching. Again, might not be true. I was watching some football podcast, and they were talking about apparently it was a Man United fan that was saying this. Apparently, when Fergie gave the job to Moyes, because around this time Fergie and Rooney were falling out publicly with all, and apparently Fergie said to Moyes, like get like the last thing Fergie said was get rid of get rid of Rooney. Like get rid of him. Wow. Like don't keep him. Really? And mm-hmm. I think that and and another guy in the, that podcast was talking about he's he's dealt with Rooney from a media side of things and said he was a bit of a knob and the people that he hangs around with are a bit of a knobs and not the greatest. But I don't know enough about that. But that was that was just something that was interesting. Where something obviously again kind of like Bale at Real Madrid, something happened between them. Obviously with Rooney and Fergie. But I mean, like I say, just to just to back up the stats. I mean, he had two hundred and eight goals which makes him the second highest premiership goal scorer of all time for Man United. 103 assists in 491 games for Man U. Made his debut forever and at 16, 13 years at United, signed when he was 18. I remember his debut in the Champions League. He scored a hat-trick, I'm pretty sure. He was fucking yeah. incredible. Uh, he's Man U and England's highest goal scorer of all time. Okay. I mean, he's, the moments, his overhead kicks, his debut in the Champions League. Uh, he's won five Premier League titles, three League Cups, an FA Cup, a Champions League, a Europa League, and a Club World Cup. Um, I mean, again, kind of achieved everything you can achieve, really. Yeah, mate, he's 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 up there, man. He's he's world class, hundred percent. So yeah. good, man. Last uh, last player I wanted to chat about um, before we wrap up because you are a you are a lefty, AJ. Uh, are you play Are you playing on the left? You just played like left footed, left hand side. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's weird. I'm a, I'm a traditional left winger. Like you see a lot of wide players playing, left footed players playing on the right, and right footed yeah. players playing on the left. But no, I'm I'm much more suited to playing on the left. Um, do you do you prefer? Yeah, I prefer playing on the left. Um, I've been used up front a few times recently. And I used to play up front when I was younger. I used to score lots of goals, mm. but no, I much prefer being on the wing, being able to. Get the ball in behind, or get the ball to feet and running one on one, one on one, one attacking is my thing. Still got the pace, so just knocking and get balls in the box. That's how I love, how I still love to play. So yeah, um, left sided. I can come off the right if I have to, but I prefer to be prefer to be on the left for sure. What do you um, like seeing? Like you just said, I mean, nowadays it's a righty on the left and a lefty on the right. Um, what like if 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 have you been? If people put you on the right hand side and you've tried to play there and you've just not liked it, like what have you not what have you not liked about it? Nah, style of play. I'm I'm a direct player, like I'm a very direct player. So I've not got the tippy tappy mm. sort of beat a man by that way. I'm I beat a man by knocking the ball past him and running past him because I'm faster than him. Like it's as simple as that. So for me to do that from the right is difficult because I'm obviously not right footed, so ball control on my right foot is not as good as my left. So if I was going outside the defender, it'd be harder to keep control of the ball. Um, 
I played on the right. My last, my senior year in America, my fourth year in America, I was played on the right the whole season, and I did enjoy it. I scored a few goals, but so I told it was alien to me. I know it sounds weird because it's mm. essentially it's wide position on the pitch. It's the same as the other side of the pitch, but no, it was it was like playing a whole new position. It was like so, yeah. Um, I can play on the right. I don't think I'll be as as effective as I am on the left. Um, much prefer being on the left, and I think you get the most productivity in. The, it's interesting you say that, mate, because I think from, from a coaching point of view and, and just football in general, what happens is that you want to you wanna like copy what you're seeing the top coaches do, which is fine, right? And yeah. modern day, that is play a lefty on the right and, and play a righty on the left. But what you just said there, as a coach, you have to understand that, like, what, what are AJ, you know, for take you, like, what are your strengths? What do you feel comfortable doing? And if your strengths are being on the left and touching it past someone and going, then that's who you play that player. You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't just shift that person over to that other side and expect him to be Mo Salah or Orion Robin, right? Like it doesn't work. Everyone's comfortable. So it's in, it's yeah, interesting it good, you say that. There was a good conversation on the radio the other night with uh, regards to Marcus Rashford because he played on. The, I don't know. I didn't watch the game, but I think he might have been played on the right against. I don't even know who they're playing. Um, and he was just very quiet. Mm. And uh, there's a big, big sign of kind of debate going on. It was Gabby Abbonlahor that was on. And he was saying, um, you can't expect him to play as he does on the left, on the right, because it's a totally different role mm. in the game. Um, and the, 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 the narrator or whatever was saying, well, should it not be his responsibility to know how to play on the right? And should he not be training to play on the right? It's like, well, no. Not really, because you wouldn't play a centre. You wouldn't a centre half wouldn't train to be a centre midfielder mm. just to get better at it, because it's not the role they play in the team. I can see slightly, it's slightly different because the two wide positions are kind of similar. But um, you can't, yeah, you can't expect. Add for me, you would, can't expect Rashford to play on the right and be as effective as he is on the left. Yeah, I, I, I watched. Uh, sorry, Jay, I watched Liverpool. Um, Last night, and Kiri, our front three was Salah, Firmino, and Shakiri, but Shakiri played on the left as like a left winger. Don't think he's ever played there before. Yes. Kiri obviously loves like obviously loves coming inside from the right or playing more central. And he was playing on the left, and within ten minutes, I was like, Josh, I was like, that doesn't work. Like you're not gonna get the like the best out of Shakiri. He gave the ball away three times in like three times in a row, and I was like, why is he playing him on the left? Shakiri is not like a left winger, like. He can't. He, he's not. He's not most effective there. So just to kind of like go into a point that you were saying there with Rashford, I'm, I'm sure it happens with loads of players. Yeah, I think that it's every everybody has their strengths, and and what I was going to say was the, the last player I wanted to bring up because I think that I think he's going to be someone that when you look back again and you look at you know you can look at stats but certainly if you watch highlights you're going to be like holy fucking shit he was absolutely class is Mohamed Salah and when I'm asking you about how you feel on the on the left and playing on the right is I've noticed him how he still plays in that role that position sorry but his role in the team has completely changed because we no longer now we have now become a team Liverpool become a team should I say that have the ball and the other team now defends against you Whereas when we first signed him, Liverpool weren't that team. So teams are still trying to come at you. And we were going at people on the break. And in my opinion, 
it actually suited him a lot more. Yeah. And it suited I think Manny's I think Manny's the type of player that can really play anywhere. It certainly suits Salah a lot more. But if you look at his numbers and everything and how he's evolved his game, he's turned into this like this kind of striker that likes to get in the box and is just kind of lethal and taking chances. And it's been it's been interesting to see like how he's evolved. And I I don't know, I just well, I was thinking about you and I thought lefties and I mean he's been absolutely class. I don't know if you watch him and take little bits and pieces from him. Yeah, um he is incredible to watch, he's exciting to watch, he scores unbelievable goals. He still manages to somehow score the same types of goals as well, I think. Yeah. And he's in the box and he wriggles past four defenders and curls it in the top corner like he did the other night. He's done that. He does that time and time again. Um yeah, it's interesting how, how he, he probably has had to adapt his game due to the way that our teams are now playing against Liverpool. And it's it's interesting that he, that you've noticed it uh, being a yeah. fan. Because for me, I, I don't pay much attention, so I wouldn't have said I noticed it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I just see him as this electric player that, that turns up and does stuff and scores great goals a, a lot of the time. But yeah, thinking about it, he, mu- he must have had to adapt his game to, ch- to change the style of play because he's not getting freedom that he would have had a couple of seasons ago. But he's still, that just kind of shows how, how different different level he is when he's still managing to put up numbers. And people are talking right now about how he's having a bit of a slump and stuff. It's like, hmm. it's not because he's scored 19, is it 19 goals this season, I think? Yeah, he's got 15 yeah. yeah. And it's, that's not bad numbers at all. No. You've only played 20 games, 21 games. Yeah. So, he... <laughs> nearly averaging a goal a game. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's the standards he set himself. Yeah. Um, against people's opinions now, which is which is great to see because he is putting up the numbers still. I mean, and without a doubt, talk, talking about like evolving is, I mean, Ronaldo. Ronaldo was the was the first player I've seen in, in my lifetime that I can really remember. Maybe it's just because he's so big that you notice the sh- a clear change in his game at some point in Madrid where he, he just became this guy that was maybe, he, he went from being this kid at Man United to, to doing all these tricks and skills to then being effective and being an incredible goal scorer assists to carrying that on at Madrid to then changing his game to just kind of be like a, almost just like a goal scorer number nine. He just scores now. Like when you watch games, yeah. you don't you don't expect Ronaldo when you watch games to get the ball and run past five, six people like he used to. You expect him to not be in the game and fucking pop up with the biggest goal that you need him to score. Like he was, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's insane, man. Who would you... Who who would you guys pick? This is the the, the classic question. Ronaldo or <laughs> Ronaldo or Messi? Who would you say? I, I'm a I'm a Messi all day long. Like I'm one of those people that just can't <laughs> cannot even put. I can't put them on the same level. Like that you've got two levels. You've got for me it's Messi and then you've got Ronaldo and there's nobody on those two levels. But mm-hmm. Messi's above him, and for me it's because he's an all round footballer. He does absolutely everything. Um, there's nothing he can't do. Like his his vision is, it's not even human. Messi's vision, and you don't see it enough. But the passes he's he plays in games, um, on a on a game by game basis, is just incredible. What he sees, nobody else sees. Um, yeah. So I think the aspect of being more of a team player, I guess, mm-hmm. makes me think that I'm not taking anything away from Ronaldo. He's the greatest goal scorer. Of all, well, I don't know that of all time. If I'm my generation, he's the greatest goal scorer, uh, and he's been unbelievable, and he is unbelievable. He's still scoring, 
at the age he's at and the, the like the physique, physique he's still in is just unbelievable. But I just can't I can't put them on the same level, unfortunately. And I never will be able to. And I, I don't see why I can't understand Ronaldo fans if either of these are. Matthew, before you answer, AJ just said they're like great greatest goal scorer of all time. He has da, 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 in his career he's got six hundred and sixty goals and two hundred and twenty-five assists in eight hundred and seventy-three games compared to Messi who has six hundred and fifty goals. Is that the same? Did I even notice that? Oh, Messi's ten less. Six hundred and fifty goals and two hundred and eighty six and seven hundred and fifty six games for Barca. So both absolutely incredible records, but who would you pick? Were they assessed? Were the assists the same? What were the assists? Sorry. Messi got 286 and Ronaldo has 225 assists. Ronaldo's it's quite surprising played, that Ronaldo's got that many, to be fair. I don't give him credit for that. Ronaldo's played 873 games and Messi's played 756. So they're not, they're not far off each other. Who would you pick, Matthew? I'm Messi, I'm Messi all day as well. Like I just... I could just watch him play football like forever. I think like the thing that like really kind of gets to me though is when folk are like, "Oh, Ronaldo's your typical like work hard and you'll you know you can get results type thing." But like I I reckon if you were to speak to a lot of people, I reckon Messi would also be like the hardest worker there as well. Mm-hmm. Surely, like you're telling me like he's turning up like and just kind of like going through the motions of training and that. Like, that's the only thing that kind of bothers me with it. But I just think that I'm just messy, man. I, I just think that you can just watch him with a ball at the all day. Like, it's it's ridiculous. So I'm, I'm messy. Um, I'm, I fully respect Ronaldo, but I'm with you. It's messy for me. One of my favourite goals of all time is one of his goals in the Champions League against Arsenal. I think it's Jens Lehmann, where he's one-on-one. He gets slipped through. It's a big goal, too. It's right before half-time, and he, like, lifts it over Lehmann. Like Lehman comes out and he like lifts it over mm-hmm. and then he kind of finishes it on the half volley. Like, oh, remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember seeing that, that like, what the fuck? There's fucking Chelsea playing. Oh, is it a penalty? Who, oh, who's taking it? He's going to do that stupid skip, isn't he? Oh, no, he didn't. Scored. Was that Jorginho? Yeah, he didn't do that. Oh, he scored. The Chelsea one up. Right, uh, Christ, can't believe that that's the time. That game's already on. Um, to, to finish off, lads, Two quick, two quick questions. I'll start with you, AJ. West Ham play Fulham at the weekend. What's your prediction for the score? It's a difficult one. I think both teams will score, but I think West Ham will pull through. I think 2-1. I think Fulham will keep it tight and West Ham will win 2-1. I like it. I like it. Matthew, Liverpool City. Felt like, felt like Liverpool's loss last night could have just killed the hope for the title challenge. What do you think? <laughs> honestly, speaking speaking with your head, not your heart. Uh, honestly, mm-hmm. I really want to be optimistic, but I, I, I'm I'm going to nil city. I I think. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I won't I'm not going to bore you. I'm going to nil city. What do you think, KG, Liverpool City? What do you think the score will be? Is it Anfield? It is yeah. Anfield. Which doesn't, doesn't mean much. Yeah. Doesn't matter, mate. We've been nah, beat by Brighton and fucking it. Burnley. <laughs> um, City are, are playing out their skin at the moment. Uh, they're back to their best, so I can only see a City win. Um, yeah. 
is it going to be one of those tactical battles which is going to finish 1-0 or 0-0 it could be mm. then again it could be a 4-3 you never know but I can only see City winning um, for the yeah I think a high scoring game maybe 4-2 will go City 4-2 Oh, I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going. I'll just to be different. I'll go two one City as well. I, I think it'll be two 0 but I'll go two one just to be different. I think that that Brighton loss last night for Liverpool was just the moment where it's like, I don't know. I just don't think we have enough. Don't think we have enough in the tank to keep up with them this season for whatever reason. Yeah. So, yeah. City, City beat Liverpool two one. Just honest to God, please. To God, don't let Man United win this league title, please. Anyone but Man United. I don't, give a sh- don't give a shit, man. Fucking hope West Ham mount a challenge. Bust up there ahead of them, man. Um, and yeah, to, all the ma- to all the Man United fans that have been winding me up out there, listen, if you don't win it and you still finish above Liverpool, it don't mean shit. You win it or you don't. That's what it's about, man. That's what it's about. But look, that, that, that's all I've got, lads. Um, I appreciate you coming on, AJ. Uh, you know, thank you, man. Um, like I say, like like I said at the start, you, you sent those messages, and right away I was like, I've got I've got to get you on because you've got a good fitty brain, and, and we've known each other for a long time. So we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely have you back on again at some point, man. Doesn't even have to just be about West Ham. We'll just we'll get you back on. I yeah, for to, sure. It's been great. It's been good. I, like, I, I tried to get uh, Granny to join us tonight, but he was uh, he was busy. So. Yeah, need to get to the camera as well, is he? Absolutely, mate. <laughs> Definitely need to get. Grant, Granny will be coming on, and uh, Ali, Ali tagged us in a post on uh, Facebook, so I'll need to, uh, I'll need to reach out to Ali as well and get, get him on at some point. See, see what he's up yeah. to. I've not seen him in a while, so. But yeah, man, thank you very much, Matthew. As always, thanks again, and uh, we'll be back. We'll be back next week, hopefully with Greggy and Scotty. He'll be back too, man. So. Cheers, boys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers.